more than 2,000 episodes retrospectively filed. And at each new one, we still collectively smile. That's effectively wild. That's effectively wild. Hello and welcome to episode 2107 of Effectively Wild, a baseball podcast from Fangraphs presented by our Patreon supporters. I am Ben Lindbergh of The Ringer, joined by Meg Rowley of Fangraphs. Hello, Meg. Hello. I need a ruling from you on mm. the secret Santa gift I gave. Oh. I want, I want to know whether you think it was mean or oh, no. funny. <laughs> Not that it could be both. It could ben. be both mean and funny. It could be funny because it's mean. Is this, <laughs> is this what I get for not being in the Discord very much that I don't know what you're talking about? For those who don't know how the Effective Wild Secret Santa works, one of our listeners, Zach Wentkos, has organized it for years, and people sign up to give some small, low-dollar value baseball-related gift to right. someone else who signs up and listens to Effectively Wild, and it's a nice little exchange. Nice. Yeah. And it's supposed to be, I think, 25 bucks or less, something like that. Okay. And you don't get much information about the person you're giving the gift to. Sure. You know if they enter this information, what their shirt size is, what their hat size is, okay. what their favorite team is, maybe who their favorite player is. Okay. That's about it. So you could just go off the board and give something you think is cool. But if you're right. going to give something that caters to their interests, then your options are fairly limited. So sure. I always get something Shohei Otani related, which yeah. <laughs> I'm not mad about. I don't even put my preferences on there, but if you're participating in Effectively Wild Secret Santa, you've probably heard Effectively Wild, and thus you know me. Right. And so I always get a Shohei shirt of some kind. I got a great Shohei Otani Samurai Japan jersey one year yeah. from Tim Livingston, formerly of the Stompers, which was a wonderful gift. This year, listener Sean gave me a Shohei shirt that was Dodgers-themed. Didn't have one nice. of those, obviously. Yeah. So. Great. Love getting Shohei stuff. And I gave a Shohei-related gift this year, not just because of my own interest in Shohei Otani, but because the recipient indicated that Shohei Otani was one of his favorite players. Okay. And the recipient was also a Blue Jays fan. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, Ben. Yeah. So I'm I, worried. You've made me very nervous. I debated whether to do this. I, I thought about talking to some other Toronto Blue Jays fans uh -huh. as sort of like sensitivity readers sort of uh -huh. be before I – but ultimately I just went ahead and did it. And uh -huh. I'm going to send you a link because the person who received the gift posted about it in the Facebook group and modeled the jersey <laughs> that I gave. So if you could check out this link and I will link to it okay. on the show page and you can see – is that the flight number? <laughs> yeah, that's the oh flight number. Oh, <laughs> my God. Wow. Wow. So I sent him a jersey that says wow. Blue Jays on the front. And on the back, where the number goes, it says N616RH, which was the flight number of the flight wow. that did not carry Shohei Otani to Toronto, but in fact carried Shark Tank's Robert Herjavec to Toronto. So I debated whether oh. this would be too cruel, whether this wow. would be too much of a knife twist to receive this shirt after not receiving Shohei Otani on your team. And ultimately, I just decided to do it. I don't know how to describe my particular 
feelings other than to say that I'm in awe, you know, really, that this is, wow, Ben. Um, so, what if this were a Mariner's, what if this had been a Mariner's situation? Sure, you know, sure, Otani sure, sure. spurned the Mariner's, yeah. I guess they spurned him, if anything, this time around. But but the first time Mariner's fans thought that he might sign with them instead of the yeah. Angels. So, so what if there had been a flight tracking situation then, right? How would you feel if someone gave you this gift? So, okay. So here's what I think. I think my initial reaction would be, whoa, wow. Oh, I, like, ah, you know, I would have the awe feeling because here I am. I'm having a feeling of pretty profound awe. Um, so that would be my first reaction. But then I think my, I, I think that it would grow on me yeah. in a pretty profound way. Yeah. But I might, I might wait to wear it to the ballpark <laughs> because uh-huh. – Here's the thing. You're going to be asked about this. Like, custom jerseys uh, are, I think a lot of people don't interact with the custom jersey if they're just like a stranger in the crowd because, you know, people uh, might assume, one, that there's a a bygone player they don't know about, right, or Mm -hmm. remember, and that you are just like a, you know, a twee weirdo, and this is your way of expressing your 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 tweeness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or they just assume that it's your last name, right? So they're like, yeah. oh, well, I don't know who that is, but it's probably that person's like last name and they have mm-hmm. a custom jersey. And, you know, um, I think people's mileage varies on the custom jersey, um, uh, but like that's not the, the issue we're litigating here. So we'll set that <laughs> aside for now. If what you have on your back is a series of letters and numbers – I think that is going to inspire someone to be like, what's that about? You know? Yeah, um, right. And, uh, you know, I don't know if, you know, he's going to wear it to a, a Blue Jays game in Toronto, if he's going to go to spring training. But, like, you know, in the early going of the season, it might strike some as too soon, you know? Yes. It might feel right. too I, soon. I debated whether it was too soon to give this gift, right. although – by this time next year, I don't know whether anyone would right. remember the call sign, the N616RH no. significance. No, and this time next year, I think this is unequivocally just like a, a banger of a yeah. gift. It's um, a deep cut by then because, yes. yeah, it'll either be a conversation piece like, yes. hey, what's that odd sequence of <laughs> letters about? and numbers yeah. on your back? Or it'll be someone who remembers this and is like, hey, I, yeah. I see and recognize this, right? Yeah. And, only probably – I know it was obviously a, a big deal, the sure. Otani flight tracking saga oh, yeah. story, but yes. probably more among the extremely online than the Correct. more offline. And Correct. Others probably o- would – We can only hope, Ben. <laughs> yes. We can only hope that there remains a segment of the population that has not been brain poisoned and yes. <laughs> we are brain poisoned. And even among those who were following that saga in real time, right. I don't know how many of them would remember – Right, that yeah. it was N616RH, even God, if they remember yeah. the whole flight saga. So, right. see, I thought this would be kind of a cool thing. Like, I, I would wear it if someone gave yeah. it to me because it's sort of a in the know, yes. you know, like if you know, you know sort of oh, thing. Oh, yeah. 
right? And and it does feel a little bit <laughs> mean. And I I don't intend to make someone feel bad about the fact that sure. their team does not have Shohei Otani because, I mean, you're feeling bad about that already. And I right. sympathize. Yeah, you don't want to add the, salt to the wound. <laughs> one of the world's foremost appreciators of Shohei right. Otani. I understand that it's painful to be deprived of his presence. So I get it. But I also thought, I think I would appreciate this if I got yeah. this gift. Yeah. So, I, and it seems to have been received in the spirit in which it was yeah. intended. So oh, yeah. The, the which caption, is important. Yeah. Yeah. The caption was, spent about 45 minutes believing I'd received a strange off-brand clearance rack misprint jersey yeah. before realizing that it is, in fact, the sickest burn in yeah. anonymous sports-related gift-giving history. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know that I even intended it as a sick burn, but more just like... I would wear it to be sort of self-deprecating almost. Like right. if my team missed out on Shohei Otani, it's like I didn't get, you know, right. we, we were in the running for Shohei Otani and all I got was this stupid off-brand jersey. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> yeah, so it's sort of a poking fun at one's own team or fan base sort of. That's sort of yeah, how I hopes. was thinking of it. Uh, well, I have two thoughts. Um, the first of which is how many appreciators do you think rank ahead of you on the Otani appreciator leaderboards? <laughs> you don't have to answer right now, but I want you to like sit with that question, see mm -hmm. if you're comfortable with the answer. The, mm -hmm. the second thing that I would say is that I hope that this is a place where like the sense that people have of you from the podcast can help yeah. to guide their reaction because now, Ben, you, and you've seen me or at least heard me react on mic uh, the, where there will be times where you will just like throw a haymaker out of nowhere and I will go, oh my God, Ben. Um, but I think in general, um, people understand that you are, you know, you're a gentle soul, Ben. You know, you're a nice, you're a nice person and you don't mm -hmm. want to cause anyone discomfort or sadness. Um, and so I, I would hope that people would look at this and go, well, you know, he probably doesn't mean this in a mean-spirited sort of way because he's not a mean-spirited sort of guy. And yeah. And and my my third thought, I've I've had a third thought emerge, which is that I would argue that there are two kinds of of bonding that come from sports fandom. And the one that people want, the the one that they prefer, is bonding forged um, out of triumph, right? Mm -hmm. The the friendship you make at the ballpark hugging a stranger because your team has just advanced to the to the World Series, Ben. Congrats yeah. to your team. Like wow. Yeah. Um, but there is another form of of bonding. Um, and it is one that, say, I have a lot of familiarity with as a Mariners fan, and that is the the bonding formed in shared sadness. Mm -hmm. This is that, you know, and and hopefully for Blue Jays fans, they will be able to, despite this stinging disappointment, in future seasons feel the the triumph, right? They will come together um, because their Blue Jays, their Toronto Blue Jays have won a World Series or advanced that far or, you know, yeah. had a spectacular whatever, you know, like they've won, they won the East. There are all yeah. kinds of ways to be happy, right? So hopefully that that is the dominant feeling they have because I don't wish Blue Jay fans ill and, you know, we know, I know people who work for the team. I want them to have a nice time, but um, it's good to remember the moments of disappointment. They can heighten and enhance the sweetness of the triumph. And so mm -hmm. um, I think it's a, a lovely gift, but I might advise 
the person who received it to wait like a <laughs> week or a month before, you know, before you wear it out to the yeah. ballpark. Because you, you're a refined sort, you know, you're an elevated uh, individual in terms of your um, understanding of the game, not only in from a nuts and bolts, stats and bats perspective, but from from the feelings it conveys, right? Because you listen mm-hmm. to this podcast and only smart, sophisticated sorts, both of intellectually course. and emotionally do that. But, you know, your fellows might not be quite as evolved. And <laughs> I would hate for you to have a bad day at the ballpark because they don't get the joke, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, just give it give yes. it a minute. But, right. um, but yeah, wow, but that is, Ben, that how, is long a... did it take to, how long did it take to arrive? <laughs> quite a while, actually. I'll tell you yeah. about that. But okay. yeah, there is... Kind of a commiseration that can be a nice bonding, shared experience of fandom, almost a gallows humor, right? Like a lovable loser recognizing each other. Not that the Blue Jays are losers, but they were losers in the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. In this particular instance, yes. Yeah. And and so (laughs) I think I would feel seen if I saw that. And it would be different if I were a Dodgers fan sending it to gloat. Yes, right. that that we got casts you the didn't. entire interaction in a different light. If you're a yes. Dodgers fan, because then, then sorry, I'm going to do it. Swear, then you'd be an asshole. You know? Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> right. But it's not that. It's and not that. Yeah, he said delightful, well played. Seemed to enjoy it. The commenters, again, some didn't know what the significance was, right, and others yeah. said that's awesome. I love it. So that's kind of what we were saying. That yeah. reaction might be what you get in the wild. Yeah. Although I do enjoy that the modeling photos here. There's a front and a back, and the gentleman's expression. It's Pain. not a, a yeah. It's not a it's not a Pain. pleased expression. It's not no. like look at this great jersey I got. No. It's it's kind of downcast, maybe right. a little sheepish, yeah. you know, which suits the gift perfectly, I yeah. think. I think um, <laughs> if I can make an assumption, like a, a memory is washing over that face that yeah. is like, yeah, I thought I thought we had him for a minute and then yep. that plane landed. Yep. yep. Yeah. So the process for obtaining this jersey was a little involved because I did want to just go all out and get yeah. an official Blue Jays jersey with the logo and everything. They wouldn't I, let you. No, they wouldn't let me. Yeah, <laughs> not, they got not, yeah, not because they specifically banned N616 RH, sure. but just because the template only allowed two or I think maybe three digit numbers. So they yeah. just would not let me put that many in there. And I, yeah. I, I thought of just doing like 616 and then doing like NRH as the name and yeah. 616, and, but it didn't That's look quite as good. Yeah. yeah. So that would have been above the recommended spending limit, but I would have done it just, just for the story. But Ultimately, because I couldn't go the official route, I, I found some yeah. sort of sketchy, <laughs> just like offshore, oh, you know, yeah. off-brand custom jersey place. And yeah, it took a while to be delivered. It did not make it in time for Christmas, but it did make it. And I'm sure that the manufacturing quality is not the greatest, but it looks more like a Royals Jersey probably yeah. than a Blue Jays one, but it it's totally like, does. Yeah, but it's close enough. It's it says sure. Blue Jays and it's blue and white, and yeah. I figured it would get the point across. I love that we have all learned how you got your identity stolen. <laughs> <laughs> Just ordering this this that Blue Jays jersey. The great greatest ending to this story. No, it I would, would be get terrible. My come up and <laughs> no, it would be so terrible. It sounds like apart from anything else, just a lot of time on the phone. Yeah, there's yeah. that with long distance calls. Maybe mm-hmm. okay. So 
that sort of segues into an actual banter topic today, which I wanted to ask you which team yeah. you think has the most pressure on it right now to do something, to make moves, Yeah, right? Maybe a team that entered the offseason with high expectations to be active right. or even set high expectations for yep. itself and yep. still has not completed its business or has not delivered on how much it said it was going to do. So which team do you think still has the most to do in order to satisfy its fans, let's say? And I think satisfied fans is important because um, you're, there are teams that have like a lot to do if what we are judging them by is like being a competitive major league franchise, you know, a going concern in, in pro ball. But that's a, that's a little bit of a different question. Some of those teams are actively just not trying to address those concerns because they're doing other things with their mm -hmm. time. We should talk about Toronto, but I, I think for me, the number one um, team on that list, just based on my, my level of concern for the front office, as in like the people in it being torn apart, <laughs> like they are being um, set upon by a horde of zombies, <laughs> is the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, with like a with like a bullet, you know. Mm -hmm. um, there's like the Cubs, and then there's like some space, and then there's some other teams we can talk about. But I think it's definitely the Cubs, and that's not just because Bauman just wrote about this impressive Fangraphs, <laughs> but I think he, you know, he had his finger on the pulse in terms of yeah. like the. The perception, not just among Cubs fans, but among the um, sort of baseball public and industry at large, which is like they started their offseason with a with a big bang, you know, arguably stealing away, snatching away in the night uh, Craig Council from a division yeah. rival like that's. You know, we're here to do stuff uh, mm -hmm. business, right? We had talked in the early days of the offseason about how whether Milwaukee retained counsel or not was going to be a bit of a, a signal to us about how serious they were about contending next year because, you know, you don't spend what we at the time assumed they would have to to keep him to to tear your team down, right? Mm -hmm. um, that was sort of our conclusion. And so when when Chicago brought him over, it sounded to me as if, well, this is a this is a club that is that views itself to be ready. And that has, you know, ambition at the very least in the central and in all likelihood beyond that. And they are also a team that that has some holes, right? Mm -hmm. There are, are things that need to be addressed here, um, some of which could presumably be um, addressed by repotting in your own soil. <laughs> I sound like Scott Boris, um, <laughs> you know, guys who have already left like Bellinger, Stroman. Mm -hmm. um, but some of those names are off the board now, right? Like they can't go, they can't find Candelario. He's busy. Yep. Um, he's in a different city in the Midwest. So mm -hmm. they have needs. They definitely, I think, need to add some additional firepower to their uh, lineup. And I think that like, I feel nervous looking at their rotation. So like they have stuff to do. They had a stretch of being um, less than competitive as a as a big league team, and I think that like presented themselves to their fans as like we're we're here to do the competing now, um, mm -hmm. and that was true before council was hired, and it was really true once council was hired, and um, they at this point I 
think still have not signed a player to a big league contract. Am I correct in in that assessment? I guess we don't know yeah. what we don't know what Brewers deal is yet but he announced it himself on instagram which tends to not be the sign that you've signed a big league deal Mm -hmm. so they're really up there you know they're at the place where i think people are like so hey when are you gonna get to be doing stuff now and they've been they've tried and i don't mean that in like a to excuse them way but i think like they genuinely it sounds like did try to be in the otani game and Mm -hmm. and lost out and so now they need to re reorient finding you know additional reinforcements in the rotation uh another bat they really need a better option at first base um so yeah they have some stuff they have some stuff to do and the weight of expectation and they can't i don't think that the cubs can like credibly cry poor you know they're Mm -hmm. they are the the richer franchise in a two franchise city, it's time for them to run a payroll that reflects that. And they're on their way. You know, they've added some guys a- along the way here and they have some exciting guys coming up. Right. But they like they need to do stuff. It's time. Mm-hmm. Go do. Yep. Go do. Yeah. yeah. And there is still time for them to do that. And some of the biggest remaining free agents are Scott Boris clients, whether right. it's Snell and Bellinger or Matt Chapman or Jordan Montgomery. So right. those free agencies might take some time to play out. And yep. as Bellman pointed out in his post, the Cubs were probably better than their record indicated yes. last I year. They were right. eight wins below their base runs expected yeah. record. And they have some prospects who broke in late last year or are about to. Yep. And so you could plausibly expect them to improve even without making major additions, but they have some significant departures too. And yeah, if they just stand pat where their payroll is, then the fans would be very upset. So I think they will make some moves, but they definitely have to make some moves. And I guess I'd agree with that assessment. It's tough because yeah, they were one of the teams in the running for Otani, as were the Blue Jays. And if you were in the running for him or even for Yamamoto to a lesser extent, if you missed out on him, as everyone but the Dodgers did on, yeah. on both of those players, then yeah. how do you follow up on right. that? Because there isn't another player who's equally appealing or sensational, really. Right. Or even as pricey, probably. Because you could look at that and say, well, if you were in the running and in the bidding for those guys, well, then you must have a bunch of money to spend. Right. And I guess that's... Technically true, although there might not be players you would want to spend as much on as those players, of course, and there might not be players who are as good as those players. So it sort of raises expectations like, oh, wow, we were in the running for those guys. Then we must make some other major move because we missed out on them. But there isn't really a move to be made that's as major as those would have been. So you're sort of in a tough spot where you've raised expectations and you can't quite satisfy them. Yeah, I think that part of the impact of an Otani is that you are able to pack so much production and value into one person on the roster. I think that teams, even teams where the various POBOs or other executives are able to go to ownership and say, look, this is a lot of money, but it's going to be worth it because we're getting Otani. You know, part of the value proposition with him is, you know, a big part of it is what he brings to the team, obviously, but like 
part of how I think you uh, justify to yourself the size of an expenditure like you need for him, even if a lot of it is deferred, is like he brings so much else to the team in terms of interest, in terms of ticket sales, in terms of merchandising, in terms of opportunities for us to expand our fan base into Japan, all this other stuff, right? And you know, that's not true of like Cody Bellinger. Um, mm-hmm. And Cody Bellinger is a fine player. Like, I don't, I don't mean that to seem like a knock on him specifically. It's just the reality of it. Like if Cody Bellinger were Otani, you know, that'd be great. Cause then there'd be <laughs> two of them, which yeah. really feels like there are four, you know, yeah. there are two Otanis. It's like having four guys. Mm-hmm. So, you know, once you're out of that particular race, and I think Yamamoto is sort of a step down from from that value from an Otani perspective, but is is certainly, I think, was viewed appropriately as like the marquee pure starter on the market. It's not that there aren't players to spend money on. It's not that there aren't, you know, guys who I think are going to sign lucrative contracts, but you don't then turn around and say like, well, we're just going to deploy $710 million elsewhere because, first of all, it takes a lot more guys to do that and you already have a roster. Um, And I don't know, you know, you could sign a couple of them, I guess, but um, I think that if you're you've made the case to ownership and then you go back and you're like, well, let us have three of these dudes that are going to be like, well, is it exactly the same? And da, da, da. Mm-hmm. so I think you're right that it puts, it puts teams in a different spot from a roster construction perspective than they would have been if they had been able to secure Otani's services, which is like, you know, wow, what a brave take, you know, what a bold <laughs> yeah. statement. Um, mm-hmm. But it's true. Yeah. Why would you say something so controversial yet so brave as the Eric Andre show meme goes? I was reading some Imanaga rumor Mm -hmm. roundups at MLB Trade Rumors, and they mentioned teams that were interested in him, the Red Sox, the Giants, the Mets, the Cubs, Mm -hmm. also the Yankees, maybe not as interested in him, but connected to him, maybe more interested in Blake Snell. I'm sure that would go over great with the New York fan base, but those are among the teams, at least, that I think would also be in this conversation for the onus is on them, the pressure's on, right? Because you have the Blue Jays, who I think recently said they want to add at least one other player. I mean, yeah. bringing back Kiermaier and signing IKF, that's uh, probably not going to quench the appetite for more high-profile players. And then the Mets just signed Harrison Bader. They were obviously in the Yamamoto bidding And again, it wasn't clear which direction the Mets would be going this offseason. So we weren't really sure whether they were going to go all in and try to compete again or whether this was going to be kind of a bridge year or whatever you want to call it. And then the Giants, of course, after missing out on so many prominent free agents, there's a lot of interest in landing more of them. They did get Lee, of course, and they've made some other more minor moves, but still probably have some money to spend and certainly interest among the fans and landing a big free agent fish. And then you have the Red Sox. We just talked about them in the context of the Giolito signing and the sale trade, but Tom Werner, their chairman, set expectations for a big offseason because he said that they were going to go full throttle, which I feel like it's probably not the best idea to set expectations for yeah. a super active offseason because that's happened in other cases where 
ownership or, or front office people have said, yeah, we're going to sign at least, what was it with the Blue Jays uh, an offseason right. or two ago when it, they sort of said, yeah, we're going to get at least, you know, two or three big people. I forget what the details were, but that really raises expectations. And that's good if you make good on it, if yeah. you deliver. But if you don't, then you've set yourself up to be yep. a punching bag because everyone will just be bringing up full throttle and, yep. you know, trading for Von Grissom and signing Lucas Giolito probably doesn't qualify as full throttle. Or if it does, that doesn't speak highly of your horsepower, right. I suppose. So, yeah, if you say something like that, then you better really back it up. So, yeah. The, the, I don't, And, you know, the Yankees are probably on this list too, right? Yep. Even after getting Even Juan after Soto, Soto, which is yeah. a huge move, but... I think we said at the time, like, they they got to add some pitching, and they yep. tried with Yamamoto, too, and yep. they came up short there, so they really have to land some prominent pitcher, or else the Soto trade will seem insufficient. I think there are teams that have the capacity to create expectations for themselves by what they say, right? We're going full throttle. We're going to sign a bunch of guys. We have, you know, they can set their own expectations and then it's up to them to sort of live up to those expectations or fail to meet them. And then there's like the Yankees where there are always expectations, (laughs) right? And that's going to be true regardless of what Cashman says or how grumpy he gets at GM meetings. Um, Mm -hmm. Like there are just going to be expectations and particularly when it does appear that you are making like a full-throated effort to secure a free agent services and then he goes elsewhere you've tipped your hand that you think you have needs right like mm-hmm. you don't go after Yamamoto if you don't think you need a Yamamoto and everyone needs pitching and that that was part of my difficulty in preparing for this because you were like I want to ask you about it and I was like well everybody needs pitching like even the people who don't think they need pitching probably need a little like they should get a little more pitching it's like th- that bit in Ocean's Eleven I always like to reference mm-hmm. like you should just go get one more but yeah. you know by by pushing so hard and and seemingly offering such a lucrative contract if we are to take them at their, you know, leaked word um, to Yamamoto, like they are identifying that they also need more uh, in the way of pitching. So they are definitely on that list, um, both by their own admission and then just by our own assessment of the roster. It's like, yeah, you need a little, you need a little more pitching, guys. You need some Mm -hmm. more pitching. Yeah. Okay. Are there any other teams we didn't mentioned in that conversation the that Seattle should be Mariners no yeah, um, they do well. need like two thirds of an outfield but we can yeah. say never later <laughs> yeah okay all right so I guess the only other significant transaction that's happened is just a aftershock to a transaction we already talked about in that Atlanta signed Chris Sale to yep. an extension so yep. good news for the Atlanta Braves Foundation, yep. getting its one percent, and also for Chris Sale. So sure. this is a two-year, thirty-eight million dollar deal. So he gets sixteen million in twenty twenty-four, twenty-two million in twenty twenty-five, and then there's a club option yep. for twenty twenty-six. So we talked last time when we talked about the trade. I expressed some surprise that he had not tried to leverage his no trade clause mm. into getting his option picked up or some and sort he of extension. Heard you. Yeah, I I wonder whether it was a condition. It just you know he said you got to give me some sort of extension yeah. in order to get me to do this, and that it just got done after the trade, or whether it wasn't 
contingent on this extension. It was just a separate thing. I haven't seen reporting about that One yet. Way or the other. Yeah. I think what happened was he listens to our podcast and he yeah. was like, oh my God, Ben is I should right. have done that. Yeah. I, I got to get, get on the blower right now. Mm-hmm. When we have uh, discussed the Bravestone edition in the past, we have joked, you know, joked, joked, yes. doing a joking thing that they might be a front for a criminal enterprise of some sort. Um, and I was like 99% joking, 1% serious. And I want to change my ratio slightly, only slightly, but now I'm like 95% joking and 5% serious. Um, so anyway, that's just a thought I keep thinking like, what are you guys up to? Are they like creating yeah. a, a heat ray that will destroy us all? Who knows? Like, I, I enjoy I this bit. I know that there are Atlanta fans uh, who, who get a little sensitive about this. We're not really serious. And also, they're not the only team that does this. I know. Like the, oh, yeah. the, the Dodgers have a foundation that Shohei Otani is donating to sure. as part of his deal, right? It's yeah. just, it's such a staple of yes. the Braves extension and they've signed so many players to yes. extensions and then they yeah. always break the news themselves yeah. and the press release always includes that little bit about the Praise Foundation. And so everyone notices that. I know that they are not necessarily unique here. You know, they felt so unsettled by pass and breaking the news of the trade that they had to do an extension just to like have the PR team get back on even footing, right? To not feel Mm -hmm. off kilter um, and have something that they could break themselves. You know, I think that that was definitely part of the motivation. Do Braves fans get mad about the Braves Foundation thing? I've, I've seen some some slight touchiness, perhaps. but yeah. You guys don't have to be touchy about that. We can go back to telling you you shouldn't do the chop anymore if you want to get touchy about something. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I wonder if this is ex- this extension did have something to do with the no, no trick. Just because... Yeah. Why the timing you, is so close? Yeah, to, yeah. If you are the Braves, why would you feel the the need or the desire to do that? I mean, maybe they just sure. really believe in Chris Hill and they yeah. just want to keep him around. But yeah, given his health durability track record, you'd think that you you might be content to kind of just yes. give it a year and see how he does, right? Yeah. And, and then there was a club option, right? Yeah. So they had the option literally <laughs> to to keep him, and right. they decided to kick that can down the road and give him another guaranteed period. So I don't know. Maybe it's just to make him happy. Maybe it was uh, part of the trade. Maybe they just really like Chris Hale. (laughs) They just want to keep him around. There's uh, considerable uncertainty with him, as we discussed, but Mm -hmm. evidently they like what they see there. Maybe the Braves Foundation is running low on funds and they needed an infusion. Could, could be, yeah. And I guess like Max Fried is going to be a free agent, right. as yeah. is Charlie Morton. Yes. So there's already some uncertainty there. So you might as well keep someone around if yeah. he's healthy, hopefully. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. We yeah. shouldn't neglect Harrison Bader, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess we shouldn't. We should. Harrison Bader is a Met. There, we did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's I don't a know very what else. good defender when he's mm-hmm. healthy. If he hits, it'll be nice. There mm-hmm. you go. There's my yeah. Harrison Bader analysis. Mm-hmm. There'll yeah. be more fan graphs tomorrow. It'll sure. probably have more words than that. But you yeah. know, I'm our only editor right now. So if you know, Chris, if it's th- that many words, I wouldn't fight you. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, if you're interested in editing yes. fan crafts with Meg, <laughs> yeah. you can apply now yeah. for that job. 
yeah, we have a full-time associate editor role uh, open. John Taylor left us to go run the trains at the MTA. That's not what he's actually doing at the MTA, but he left us for the MTA and we're excited for him, but sad for us. And we need um, another editor on board. So go check out the posting on Fangraphs if you are an editor and you're like, hey, I don't know about baseball. I'm an editor. Mm-hmm. Should I go be an editor at Fangraphs? I don't know. Let's talk about it. Yep. I will link to that. And uh, you can help free up Meg for podcast recording there if you, you help her with the editing load. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say about the Mets because I, I don't know like if they're trying to are right. they, is this a step back year i'm trying to dredge up the the jerry depoto terms for you know the step theo back, epstein yeah. terms a bridge year yeah. whatever it is bridge year. <laughs> gap yeah. year that's when gap you go backpack year. around europe i guess right. but <laughs> will the mets be doing the equivalent of backpacking around europe or will they actually be trying to win again the way they were last season which did not go so great for them i don't know I don't know either. They seem to be like in on guys, kinda, you know, Mm -hmm. that's my read from the outside is that they, I imagine that they, given their druthers would be like, yeah, it would be nice to have, you know, like one Shohei Otani on our roster or two, depending on the year it is, you know, Mm because he's like two guys, right? Remember, he's like two guys. Yes. But... I don't know, like, how sincere that pursuit was. They're an odd one. Like, I think adding Bader is useful to them um, and their needs, but those are far from their only needs. So I'm Mm -hmm. not quite sure what to make of the Mets at this juncture. They seem, like I said, kind of half in, half out, and that's a weird roster building spot to be in. So we should be all in or all out. You know, none of this step back, turn your foot around, hokey pokey. Don't know hokey pokeys. The Mets were both in and out within the span of a single season last year. So they're yeah. exploring all of the ways, the <laughs> degrees to which one Mets. can be in. Yes. Okay. So I've got some emails here. Terrific. And this first one, I think, is particularly important mm. that we deliver a definitive important. answer to this one. And this comes from Patreon supporter Now I Only Want to Triumph, who asks the 2023 Pop Tarts Bowl. Mm. Featuring an edible mascot, oh. which was much memed, oh, got yeah. me thinking: which MLB mascot would be the tastiest if made edible? <laughs> so <laughs> we've we've had a number of mascot conversations. Oh yeah, we sure have. This one is less about which ones disturb us the most, although uh-huh. it, it's not unrelated. I guess no. if we're talking about eating them, yeah. <laughs> but, well, and it's funny, right? Because. Um, you know, there's all this conversation about the Pop-Tart, and we think of the Pop-Tart as an obviously edible mascot, and they did produce, like, a, a big Pop-Tart. They made, like, a big sheet cake-looking Pop-Tart um, mm-hmm. that people ate, which was kind of disturbing because, like, the it jam. And once we yeah. had seen it with arms and eyes, it's like, right. well, it was, like, blood, you know, it's like, what are we, this is Yeah, anthropomorphized um, <laughs> Pop-Tart, yeah. yeah. There's that, but then, like, I, um, like, like many folks watched um, the Sugar Bowl with mm-hmm. the University of Washington playing Texas. And like, you know, they have their steer or whatever, you know, with the horns. Cause that's like the whole, whole thing is the horns, you know, like yep. how come horns and then they're down horns. Sorry guys. Um, go dogs. But I'm like, well, that's technically an edible mascot. Like if you, yeah. Right. Do a little that's, work. So <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's it's tough to establish the edibility of some of these MLB mascots. Well, and like, what is Slider full of? Is it goo? That's the thing. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, is it is it fruit goo? Is he full of 
is it like Gushers? You know, mm-hmm. do you remember Gushers? I miss yeah. Gushers. Oh, yeah. God, mm-hmm. I bet those were terrible for us, but I <laughs> loved them, man. I I loved Gushers. So I like imagine slider, yes, um, full ones, of gusher yeah, goo that you can't tell exactly what they are. That they're hard to classify. If yeah. you can't figure out what they are, then would you really want to eat them? You're taking your own life in your hands, even if it's something like the fanatic. Right? Yeah. Like, would you want to eat the fanatic? I don't know. The fanatic or, is a gift to know, all of us. So orbit isn't even from Earth, right? Orbit right. is is from another planet, so that could be toxic to human physiology. Yeah, like, Who knows? What if, what if orbit has like um, you know, he 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 orbit <laughs> don't know, um, but orbit uh looks so friendly, right? Has yeah. friendly face, yeah. um, but like, what if it's full of acid blood, like right. um, like the xenomorph in Alien, you know? Mm-hmm. And like you break it open, and then you're like, ah! exactly, yeah, yeah. And I think we should, for the purposes of this conversation, we should probably put aside which ones we would feel bad about eating because this is oh okay this yeah, is, yeah I mean we could uh, factor that in but the question sure. really was Any about of which the presidents because they're people <laughs> which would be tastiest and yeah. it, it might just be that the ones that we'd feel worst about eating would taste the best so oh, if no, someone I just <laughs> put, <laughs> I don't think George Washington would taste the best I think he would taste pretty bad <laughs> if someone put an unidentified mascot on our plate uh-huh. cooked prepared well so that Ooh. we didn't necessarily know the origin which like one do we think would be go. yeah it's just or sweetbreads the mm. other other white meat is one of these mascots oh you mean so, like blooper yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the I'm thing so having I, fun. I think we can rule out the human or humanoid ones again well, but I, what are we decide what are we defining as humanoid they all have faces uh, yeah the ones who are supposed like you know, no, rosy so red. No, no Bernie Brewer, no Mr. Met, no Mrs. Right. Met, no the Swinging Friar. Well, none of the Mr. Pres- and Mrs. Met are humanoid, but they are baseballs. But I, I well, think so that. Well, so is Rosy Red. Uh, yeah, that's true. But Her that probably rules them out anyway, because we wouldn't want to eat a baseball. We wouldn't want to eat a baseball. No. No. But <laughs> this is yeah. Great off season content. <laughs> um, I, and I've, look, I've been on record, you know, I think that. Cannibalism gets a bad rap. I mean, a worse rap than it should. It should get a bad rap, to be clear. But like in an emergency starvation situation where there's no other source of calories available, I have said, you can consume me. Uh, Like only if it's the last option available. But, you know, if you're shipwrecked, if it's a Donner Party situation, Mm. you know, if you're stranded in the Alps or whatever and the Andes and you're just out of food, then, you know, if I've already – don't kill me to eat me, hopefully, but – Right, but like if you've sustained some sort of injury Right, if I've succumbed to exposure or whatever it is and and my meat is just sitting there, then Mm, I I, I give you – I don't care for that phrasing at all, Ben. (laughs) I want you to take it back, please. I give you permission to eat my meat in that situation. Oh, it's so uncomfortable. Um, But – but but I think we could still probably rule out, yeah, sure. you know, I don't want to eat Teddy Roosevelt or, or whatever. So, no. or the fryer, right? I'm not, right. not going to say we should eat the fryer, right. no matter how tasty he is. So I love that. So I, I just Googled the mascots because I had to remind myself of them. And yeah. I think I have alighted on um, like an all-star specific um, mascot page. And so it has all of the presidents. 
Just look at George Washington's face. I just want you to look at George Washington's face while you contemplate whether you would eat that face. Um, okay, so, okay. <laughs> so, we have eliminated from consideration the swinging friar. We have eliminated from consideration any of the presidents. I think that we should eliminate from consideration pause the tiger because mm-hmm. tigers are endangered. And yeah, so we should and not also... Eat- Stomper the elephant, probably. Yes, for that same reason. Again, you know, if we're just considering tastiness, I mean, I did Google what does elephant taste like and apparently not great. But, you know, if we're putting moral concerns aside because we're eating a mascot anyway. Right. But we have a buffet of mascots to choose (laughs) from. it's true. (laughs) And and in this scenario, because we are choosing, I am saying that not only are we picking one, but we are singling one out to be murdered so that we can eat it. So, like, that's – these are the moral choices we're making, Ben. Yeah. And to be clear – we're not eating the person inside the suit, <laughs> and no, we're not eating. Like we're not eat eating the, the suit either. The person either. inside the pop tart. <laughs> no, but we're they not. They did like bake yeah. the guy into the pop tart like it's uh, <laughs> like it's Hansel and Gretel. No, we're we're not eating the the friend of the mascot, the performer, and we're not eating the costume. We're eating. No, we're what, eating what the mascot <laughs> would be if it were an actual creature. Okay, so. <laughs> Okay, so for to recap, so far we've eliminated Bernie, the Brewers mascot, the Swinging Fire, yeah. all of the presidents. I'm yeah. gonna put the um, the D backs. I know have they have Baxter, but mm-hmm. they also have the Legends um, mm. for their Legends race. Like it's like you know Randy Johnson, and you know. Yeah. So we're eliminating them both because um, they are people and mm-hmm. because they represent people who are still alive. And like I'm gonna. <laughs> Mark Grace. He's a person. Yeah. And we're we're also eliminating the ones that we can't classify really that could no, be to- I, potentially toxic. Like no, put the, a pin in that. So okay. <laughs> we are eliminating menu, maybe. pause. We are eliminating the because tigers endangered. Mm-hmm. We are eliminating Stomper. I think that we have to eliminate Dinger because if there were a real dinosaur, we'd have to like keep it alive and study it, not eat it. Right. That you know that's yeah, important for science. Scientific value to right, yeah. Dinger. Yeah, and so you got to keep. Dinger. I love the description of Dinger on the mascot page. I found his Dinger. Can spin his head. <laughs> this is great. We should just always talk about mascots. Um, okay. So so the, those are some that we've eliminated. I mm-hmm. would like to eliminate the following. Okay. Uh, I want to eliminate Clark the Cub because he's a child. You can't eat a kid. That's, that's wrong. <laughs> yeah. um, I want to eliminate Mr. Yeah. Met, Mrs. Met. Black um, Bear. I, I did research that, that Black Bears are Black Bears are actually appetizing, apparently. I don't think uh, I have ever had a black bear. <laughs> but no, uh, if you're I, a hunter, if you're someone who hunts, then I guess you can also. No. Yeah, but I don't do no. that. But uh, but yeah, that's a good reason not to consume yeah, Clark as well. He's a child. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a kid. Yeah. I think that we can also eliminate Oriole Bird, one, because yeah. like, how creatively named is that? And Pirate the Parrot, which is somehow even less creatively named than Oriole Bird. Mm-hmm. Um, and Fred Bird, because right. he looks like he has some sort of disease that we don't want to pass to people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think that a parrot and an Oriole, like, there's just not a lot of meat on the bone there. I know, right. You know? Not, yeah, the little bird bones 
so that wouldn't make much of a meal. Yeah, and and Ace and Screech. So we're eliminating all of the birds. Fred yes. Bird does look like he has some kind of disease that like starts the next pandemic. Yeah, being completely honest, <laughs> we got to eliminate Screech because I think it's illegal to kill or eat bald eagles yeah. in the United States. Because so I think we, they're, I think they're um, endangered. I mean, like they're, they're the mascot all. of the country. So yeah. if that's unpatriotic to well, consume screech. So yeah. we, we can't okay, do yeah. that even if For we wanted to. Definitely. Cause oh, those are beautiful. You know, bald sure. eagles are beautiful. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, by my accounting, here's what we are left with. Baxter, the Bobcat, blooper, mm-hmm. Wally, Southpaw, Slider, Orbit, I think we can eliminate for the reasons we said. Slugger, I'm going to allow to be a lion and thus eliminate for conservation reasons, even though he is a weird, screwed-up lion who has a crown coming out of his gourd, which lions do not have in real life. So no Slugger. Orbit, we're worried about acid blood. No Orbit. (laughs) Billy the Marlin, I think we have to keep in the running. I don't want to eat TC Bear, the Mm. twins mascot, because... I think a bear could kill us. And what if we anger other bears in the TC bear family and then we become yeah. the subject of... TC bear of... is actually who I was thinking of. TC bear oh. is the black bear, I think. Oh, so, I see. Okay, so no TC yeah. bear. Um, how do we feel about eating seals? Lucille. Yeah. I mean, Lucille's I mean, in the, on the list of potential eating mascots. It has mascots. to be on the list, yes. And, you know, you can use that people, blubber. Yeah, and, uh, people who live in cold climates, they use all the yeah, seal. Yeah, use and every they, part of the seal. Every part of the, every part of the you can You can wear Lou after you eat him, probably. Yeah. I would eliminate all of the ones that are, like, what are they? You know, no, but we what know, if they're filled with gusher goop? <laughs> what well, if they have, what if, what if... What if Raymond and the Fanatic and Slider and Southpaw and Wally all are filled with different flavors of gusher goo? What are what if we're missing out on gusher goo? I'm not taking that chance though. Like, if can we we (laughs) kill but not eat? (laughs) It's catch and release. It's like can can (laughs) we can can we not can we kill but not eat blooper? I'm so upset about blooper still to this day. Regrow appendages potentially some of these oh, creatures no. because we don't know what they are, but maybe they could they be should. like <laughs> lizards, you know, they could regrow maybe, limbs, yeah. maybe. Maybe tails. they fall under the same designation as Dinger, where we don't know what they are, and so they should be studied for science. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What is Raymond? A sea dog. What is that? What is Raymond? <laughs> Raymond Which one the, is the Raymond? Rays, oh. rays. <laughs> what is a sea dog? I think that he's full of goo. I think he's full of blueberry goo. It's a, oh, wait. Oh, okay. It's an actual dog, I guess. It's uh Wait, it's, it's a, a dog? That is not a dog. I'm sorry. People don't know how to design dogs. That's not the, a dog. When have you ever seen a dog Raymond, that looks like that? Raymond is a previously undiscovered species of dog oh, known as Canis manta what the fluffless, or in layman's terms, a sea dog. So, yeah, I like dogs too much to eat any species, even if it's a previously undiscovered, not at all dog looking dog. I love that they were like, I'm sorry, I'm going to do another swear, and it's it's one of the big swears, so like mm-hmm. hide your children. But I love that they were like, we want to invoke what the f, but we don't have the courage of our convictions to say it. This is mascot cowardice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is. Almost as cowardly as Baxter. 
Yeah. They should still have a snake. I, I know the reasons. I know the backstory of Baxter, and I'm here to say it's garbage. Replace mm-hmm. him with a snake. And if you don't know that you can make a snake walk around and not look like a dragon, mm-hmm. then uh, make him a giant saguaro. Why is it not a, <laughs> why is it a cactus if you can't do a snake? Okay. So our short list. <sighs> this is what happens when there are no free agent signings, by the way. So this our short list. This is what happens. This is, it reminds me We're always. Get to two emails. When we get into one of these uh, side conversations, it reminds me of the, the Seinfeld episode where Kramer finds the Merv Griffin set. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he and Newman are, are talking about like types of canned foods they eat or something. And uh, Kramer's like, we need a new format. Like we, we need to shut down and, and come back with a new format. Lately though, I've been, uh, I've been buying the generic brand of wax beans. You know, I rip off the label. I can hardly tell the difference. Officially bottomed out. Who's our next guest? We got no one. We need a new format. We should shut down and retool. What about a guest host? I'll pretend I didn't hear that. If we did, it'd probably be all mascots all the time, which might be might be good, actually, because mm. we tend to get a good reception to mascot segments. They're just like a, a never-ending supply of joy and terror. So, yeah. okay. We're sticking so with our, the kind of conventional food types of mascots, so our, right? So, what do we think? Well, what do we think about Baxter, you know? Does, <sighs> I, hmm. How does Bobcat taste? Can you eat Bobcat? I think it would taste bad. I think we should eliminate Baxter. (laughs) Not like in a kill him to eat him way or a kill him to be done with him way like with Blooper. (laughs) Google says Mountain Lion and Bobcat taste like lean pork. The flavor Mm. is mild, almost bland as far as game meat goes with a texture that is dense and meaty, similar to pork loin. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, maybe maybe Baxter stays on the list for a little longer. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm eliminating Baxter. So I think our options at this point, Ben, mm-hmm. are Billy the Marlin. Yes, and got us sad to say, Mariner Moose got to be on the menu. Oh, right, because I don't know that I've had moose, but I I understand it's like you know low fat, high protein, like nutritious, pretty tasty. Yeah, I think you're right. I think okay. All right, we can leave the moose on there. And then um what about the the horse? What about the Texas oh, right. the Rangers Texas horse captain? What about Rangers captain? Uh, who is naming these mascots? <laughs> Rangers captain? Rangers captain is an amazing driver. He has three different vehicles he uses to get around Globe Life Park in Arlington. What? <laughs> He's a yeah. horse. He doesn't need He is a vehicle. He doesn't need a vehicle. Ben. Yeah. I'm upset. I've heard mixed things about horse. I don't know that I've eaten horse, but it's yeah. it's like somewhere between beef and venison, mm. I suppose. So I some people say it tastes okay. I I mean I like horses. I I would rather not eat a horse if well, right. I don't want to eat any of these were available. things. This is part yeah. of why I was advocating in the early going the weird things that aren't anything because they aren't like an actual animal and they're right. probably filled with gusher goo. As I've said on a Patreon pad, I think I mostly my meat consumption is is fish and poultry, and so I'm kind of leaning Billy the Marlin, you know, just Ooh, like yeah, I think turn Billy into some sashimi. Yeah, I, I feel like that'd be pretty good. 
Marlins and endangered <laughs> status. Hold on, we're gonna we're gonna not extinct. Well, I know that. Really? <laughs> That's not the same question. Yeah. Oh, I think blue marlins are, are listed. They threatened? They're vulnerable to extinction. <sighs> well, hmm. Is it a blue marlin? There are different kinds. I mean, it yeah. is blue. It is literally blue. Oh, there's, he's a college graduate. There's <laughs> He went to Atlantis University. I think they're threatened, but not endangered. Yeah. So, hmm. I mean, will we miss one more Marwin? I I feel wow. like I don't know. Wow, we're gonna get emails about that. Don't okay. let the PETA people hear about this episode because yeah, that, they're gonna get weird. I I like all fish pretty much, but I don't know that Marlins are among the fish that I have had. But I don't know that I've ever had Marlin either. Yeah. Uh, so I'm hmm. torn between. Billy the Marlin and Mariner Moose. I think I would choose them over Lucille. Here's the thing. This is a fundamentally bizarre exercise. Yeah. And I think that we should have given more careful consideration to the possibility of the gusher goo creatures. But <laughs> given all of this... I just need more information about them. If, I, if you can I assure think... me that they won't make me sick and you can tell me something. I'm just... I'm not going to... I'm not going to take that chance. Like, you know, it's a total black box, those things. They could be anything. Yeah, I guess that that is true. Could be a great delicacy. Could be nutritious, but also could be poisonous. Moose are so big. Like, here's, I mean, like, marlins aren't small either, for that to be clear. I think I'd rather eat a marlin than a moose. Yeah, me too. I think I'm in in the the marlin. I know that that Billy the marlin... Why do they have to have names? <laughs> they have to have human yeah, it names. It would be easier to eat them if they were nameless. It would be really funny if they were like, Billy the Marlin is a great driver. <laughs> it's like, he's not a driver. He, the horse isn't a driver. He is a vehicle. He's just a horse. People yeah. ride horses. And do we have to kill them ourselves uh, if we're going to eat them? Because ben, what? I don't know. I don't want to tangle with a moose. That can be Definitely dangerous. No, we would. Yeah, this is part of the reason why I think we can't eat the fanatic. Marlins are are tough to land too. I feel like a marlin might impale me. So either way, like that's not the easiest. If it, if we actually have to like <laughs> obtain this meat ourselves as opposed to having it prepared for us, I think the rays have a secondary mascot who's a stingray. Which, well, they have the literal stingrays. Yeah, they have the actual ones, but they also have Stinger, sort of a, a secondary mascot who's a, a cow-nosed stingray. And stingrays don't seem that appetizing, but I think you can you can eat them, and maybe I would like stingray. They seem less threatening to me than, I mean, I know sting is in the name, but even so, compared to, to a marlin or a moose. Uh, I, I mean, I guess the... I don't know if this counts, but there are some mascot-adjacent entities that that are actual foods, like the pierogies in Pittsburgh (gasps) and and the racing sausages with the brewers. If we could do that, that, those are food. There are people who have been yelling at this podcast yeah. for the last 15 minutes being like just eat the pierogies <laughs> right if if we if they're <gasps> eligible the sausage. yeah if if we because 
Oh, I can't wait for Shane to edit this episode. Hey, Shane, good job, bud. They have Pirate Parrot and and they have Bernie Brewer. Right. But if the pierogies and the sausages count, then those would be the obvious. I picks, mean, those probably. would be the obvious ones. Those are the obvious ones. I I would vote for. I probably would do the pierogies mm-hmm. just because I love a pierogi. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I have bobbleheads of the sausages. Um, yeah. my friend okay. Nathan Bishop gave me. They're nice. sitting on my bookshelf right now. They're nice. Okay. They're cool. <laughs> Apparently, the, the Cardinals <laughs> also have a secondary mascot, the Rally Squirrel. What? And We're not I, eating squirrel. I mean, I've uh, they're pretty they're pretty numerous in my neck of the woods, and I, I haven't had squirrel, but I've read that you you can consume squirrel. Yeah. But yeah, okay. I'm gonna go sausages, racing sausages, if that's an option. But yeah. If they're ineligible, just it's not really the spirit of the question. Right, because they're not food. the primary, and they're not the, and primary, they're not the primary mascot. So if they, if we can't count those, I'm gonna go with Billy the Marlin, probably. But it's yeah. it's neck and neck between Billy and Mariner Moose. Wow, wow! <laughs> I think I would go Billy the Marlin, and then one of the ones uh, take my chances on a goo guy. You know, yeah. I'd I'd probably be like. Uh, slider come on mm-hmm. down that one's the one that looks the most like a fruit snack you know <laughs> yeah it does it does well, yeah. 2008 hall of fame slider has been mm-hmm. what this copy doesn't make any sense <laughs> has been rocking cleveland guardian fans they're you're missing like a they're missing a word in this sentence rosie spent her holiday baking pies and cookies for all the mlb mascots oh wait one one minute here. None were delivered due to Gapper, Mr. Red, and Red Legs consuming everything. So really, this mascot segment is a story of women's work not being appreciated. Because why is Rosie Red the one having to bake for everybody? What is mm-hmm. going on? She's not even a person. She's a baseball head. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't know what the San Diego chicken's current status is. <gasps> that feels if, like cheating. Yeah. Because look, if, here's, if, here's the spirit of the question. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make you contemplate eating weird shit. That's right. the spirit of the question. Yeah. And in that, we found, we managed to find the least weird one, which is a fish. But it yeah. is a fish with a very pointy face that has a name and went to college. So it's mm-hmm. still – he went to Atlantis <laughs> University in case anyone is wondering. Um, you have to link to this page. It's delightful. Yes. <laughs> yeah, if this if the San Diego chicken is on the menu, then that would obviously be pretty tasty to me. I, yeah. I like chicken, but okay, I think we've gotten to the bottom of this thing. I'm kind of hungry. I really want to know when this copy was written because the Stomper mask, Stomper the A's mascot, specifically yeah. references Pat Venditti, and that's uh-huh. that's delightful because <laughs> mm-hmm. like A's pitcher Pat Venditti, not her anymore. Stomper <laughs> can throw a baseball with both arms. Mm-hmm. Congratulations! I mean, like everyone can throw a baseball with both arms. It's not about. I mean, not everyone can, but like you know, like it's not about can. It's about like doing it well, which you know ended up being part of the problem with Pat Venditti, if we're being honest. Yeah, true. <laughs> All right, if you have differing tastes oh my god here. what a weird what a weird group of emails we're about to get i'm so excited yes please let oh, us know boy. if you have uh, experience with any of the more exotic meats or mascots that mm-hmm. we have discussed today uh, you, you know like i don't know again about meats i don't know how, about how you're deploying meats you know i just don't know all right here's a question from tex patreon supporter who says, 
I've been fascinated by Japanese culture ever since visiting Japan, although I unfortunately went outside of baseball season mm. and really enjoyed your recent interview with Rob Fitz. This was one of the episodes when you were away. We were talking about Japanese uh, rooting culture, fan culture at games. And Tech says, I've seen footage of Japanese crowds at NPP Games and the WBC, and I've always been envious of the fan culture. However, I've been thinking more since listening to the interview and have asked myself, would I actually prefer MLB crowds to be more like NPP crowds? Mm. As many writers and commentators have remarked, one of the joys of watching American baseball outside of MLB playoffs or other high-stakes environments is the slowness of the game. I have no firsthand experience of an NPB crowd, but I imagine that I could not partake in the joy of a summer afternoon game with a beer in one hand and a scorebook in the other so easily if I were surrounded by fans performing choreographed chants. So I want to ask, would you enjoy in-person MLB regular season games more if the crowds were more like NPB crowds, or do you prefer the more relaxed, albeit less passionate, atmosphere of an average MLB game? This is a good question because I have lamented the lack of that at American baseball games And just as a spectator, as someone watching from home, let's say, I think it would be great. But actually putting myself in the stands, would I actually want that? And I I think the way it works, like there's kind of a a cheerleading section at NPP Games where the really hardcore chanters are kind of leading the way, setting the example, and then everyone else is following their lead. And I think also when your team is on defense, you don't chant it's really just when they're on offense so you get a break you know it's only half the time that you're chanting but even so you know i i'm not a very participatory person i don't uh i don't love doing like crowd activities you know whenever i'm at something and and people are like looking around for a volunteer from the crowd i'm like shrinking down into my seat you know and i have mixed feelings about the wave but Often, I, I have not been a, a wave participant. I'm I'm the rock upon which the wave breaks, and so <laughs> would I would I actually want to participate in this? I would I would like it as a media member, as a spectator, as a neutral. But I would feel pressure probably yeah. to to chant and to cheer. Yeah, and I don't know that I would want that all the time. I really like the idea of there being sort of sections that are more dedicated to the endeavor than others so that you have the ability to to do it if you want to but not if you're if you're disinclined because i think that if you're in one of the cheer sections because you're there and you want to do the dance and you want to sing the songs and and you get breaks within that so you don't have to be up and about the whole time if you don't want to be well that's a lot of fun but you can also sort of feel the improvement of the vibe by that existing around you, even if you are not participating in it. So I think having room, like both literal and metaphorical room in the ballpark for fans to have a lot of different experiences of the park and express themselves in a lot of different ways. Like that's, I think, the the optimal scenario because I think what a lot of people react to adversely in U.S. crowds isn't necessarily we don't have a big organized thing, although there are people who want that, right? I think it's that, you know, they're, they're kind of stodgy. You get, you get looks from people mm-hmm. around you if you're being big and boisterous. And, you know, there are people who don't want that. And so, again, I think it's good to have – it would be nice to have, like, sections of the park where it's understood, like, yeah, this is, like – 
if you sit here and people are rowdy and you're grumpy about it, well, that's on you, right? This is mm-hmm. like a buyer beware situation. But I think just having sort of, you know, enough room, breathing room to like be, uh, you know, yourself and sort of have your understanding of fandom in place is like what we're really trying to arrive at rather than it being necessarily good that it's one particular mode of expression of fandom. Because I think like, you know, there would be people who might be like boisterous, like their inclination when they're excited about sports is to be boisterous, but maybe they think like coordinating cheers are corny or something, right? And they Mm -hmm. wouldn't want to do that because it's not really giving expression to fandom in the way that they want to. So, because like, I don't, and you know, you don't have to have, the same inclination every time you go to the ballpark, right? And that's the mm-hmm. other thing that would be nice about having sections that are sort of understood to cater to that versus ones that don't because, you know, sometimes I I go to the park and I'm like feeling loose and I want to have a good time and drink a couple of beers and hang out with people. And sometimes it's more yeah. like, you know, it's a more contemplative sort of experience for me. So I think having the ability to make adjustments yourself is a really nice thing also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as long as I didn't feel peer pressured to participate. You don't have but to I, cheer, Ben. If I could you take don't have in to do the it. atmosphere. I think when I was a kid, I would have been into it. I yeah. think I would have found that fun. I just, I don't know that I would want to today. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, if it were opt-in, then I think that would be cool. Yeah. But yeah, if it were more obligatory, then probably I would just long for being able to just sit there quietly or zone out and not have to be part of that. I'm just envisioning you like slouching further and further down into <laughs> your chair until you're literally on the ground. And you're just like, don't, yep. don't look at me. Don't look at me to be perceived terrible. Just hiding under my seat. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Question from Logan. I listened to episode 2093 on which you stat blasted about the relative ineptitude of the AL Central versus other divisions in MLB and discussed some potential fixes. One idea, over the past decade or so, the NBA has eliminated guarantees for division winners. Previously, any division winner would be guaranteed at worst a four seed in the playoffs, which meant a guaranteed home playoff series in the first round. This has now been eliminated. I'm wondering if something similar should be instituted in MLB, especially as interdivisional play becomes a greater part of each team's schedule. This would ideally increase incentive for a good team in a bad division to really go for it to try to get a home playoff series rather than resting on its laurels. So I have seen... Similar suggestions and maybe questions we've received about now that the playoff field is bigger, maybe Mm -hmm. it should be you have to clear some minimum bar. We maybe even have answered a question like that, like, you know, you must be this tall to ride, (laughs) right? You you must have this many wins to enter the playoff field, something like that. But yeah, so you can't just sneak in by virtue of being in a weaker division. You have to say you have a certain number of wins wherever you are which I I guess would be kind of just going away from the entire concept of divisions, which maybe we could or should do that. I wouldn't be averse to that. But what do you think of this idea? I think that this does require you to just do away with divisions entirely, right? And have it be ordered by record in each league. And then you have as we do now, some number of teams that have a buy, some number of teams that get to host, and then, you know, what, what are effectively the wild card teams. 
I do like, even though you play fewer games against division rivals now than you used to, I still do really like having the like tradition of rivalry. And so maybe like you keep the division structure in some way, at least in terms of organizing the schedule, but it doesn't end up being what ultimately determines like the record. But then that's a little unfair, right? Because it's like, you know, you still get to rack up wins by playing more central teams if you're in the central. So we'd have to to figure that out, even though you're not playing as many central games as you maybe once were. Yeah. But yeah, so it's like, this is the trade-off. And I think that, you know, owners like the idea of having divisions and division rivals because it inspires people to go to the ballpark, right? Like if you're um, a Philly fan and you get to go to the ballpark to see them, like, try to take it to the Mets like that means something to you potentially in a way that like you know seeing them beat up on the Mariners maybe wouldn't so uh, we'd need to think about how to preserve that aspect of it because I do think that's a meaningful part of the experience for some people but it is you know it is kind of frustrating that teams that are really good and are pushing hard and want to win and are trying to do well because they're competing against other tough teams in their division end up, you know, on the outside looking in. And then you have like whatever the centrals produce, although sometimes they produce good teams too, but yeah, you know, that can feel pretty frustrating. Would those teams, you know, in the AL East push quite as hard as they do if they didn't have like the concentration of talent that was the East? I don't know. That's a good mm-hmm. question too. Mm-hmm. So you got to factor that part in. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And as you were saying, I, I even a division being weak on the whole doesn't mean that the division winner is necessarily right. bad. And right. Joe Sheehan was making this point recently. He did an edition of his newsletter about the Royals and how with the Royals making some moves this winter, everyone's just been saying, oh, well, AL Central, right? Might as well go for it. But not necessarily because you still have to be a pretty decent team to win that division or you usually have. Like he calculated the average AL Central champion over the last five full seasons has gone 93 and 69, winning at least 91 games in four of those seasons. So it's not like you're going to win that division probably with like 86 wins or something, you know? So even if the rest of the division is not so strong, that will give that team that aspires to be the champion less incentive to be as good as it could. And yeah, some of those wins that total is going to be bolstered by the fact that it's beating up on weaker competition in its own division, but it's not that low a bar to begin with if you're the, right. the champion of that division as opposed to a wild card team. Well, and I do think that there's something to be said for like, you know, part of what we're saying when we say, well, yeah, you're a team like the Royals, like you may as well go for it. It's not just that they're in a weak division, although that's definitely part of it, or that you can, you know, win the Central with 70 wins. Like that's, but I think that if you're able to capture like unexpected positive variance, if you're one of those teams, the impact of that positive variance is more significant than it is, you know, if you're in the AL East, right? Like if the Royals with all their signings have managed to kind of capture, you know, five more wins than we expected them to have by virtue of who they brought in, like that might be enough in the, in the central and it wouldn't probably be close to enough in the East. So like, yeah, you know, like you're right. It's not like you have a, a 60 win team securing that division, but I think you're 
better able to capitalize on on sort of positive variants. So, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Question from Greg, Patreon supporter. Obviously, we can have Otani the hitter while Otani the pitcher is rehabbing. Could it ever be reversed? Is mm. there a circumstance where hitting wouldn't be possible, but throwing and fielding would still be okay? Just a hypothetical. Want to see two-way Otani back as soon as possible. And yeah, I, I think yeah. this could happen. My response was if he had some issue with like his left arm or yeah. wrist, his non-throwing arm, something that wouldn't prevent him from wearing a glove while he's on the mound, but would prevent him from, say, rotating like his comfortably. Yeah, yeah, rotating his yeah. wrist or something the way you do when you swing. I don't know what the exact issue would be, but I could conceive of something certainly. Yeah. And I emailed Glenn Fleissig at the American Sports Medicine Institute and sent him this question. He said, I certainly can see a hypothetical situation where a person can throw but not bat. For instance, certain injuries in the lead arm or in the trunk may prohibit batting, but be okay in throwing. And I guess we've seen that sometimes with pitchers who are instructed not to swing, right? Right. So they just stand up at the plate, but they are pitching in that game. So, yeah, that, that could be done. Yeah, like what's his name with the Mets? That guy. Yes, that uh, that Sam wrote about. Yeah, <laughs> right. Was that Robert um, Gesellman? It was. It was. Yes. Well, steel <laughs> trap up here. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> All right. I wonder if he's filled with gusher goo. <laughs> that makes me. Pop tarts are way better unpopped, right? It's been a while since I had wow. a pop tart, but they're, wow. they're they're better raw, right? Like a uncooked wow. pop tart, I feel like is far superior to. A cooked Pop-Tart. Is that Um, controversial? I don't know. I'm sure people agree with you there, but Mm -hmm. I think most people prefer them popped. Well, and by that, I mean like warm. I think most people like them warm. Don't most people like Pop-Tarts It's in the names. I mean, I assume it's intended to be popped and warmed, but yeah, I always found it to be better pre-popped, much as I would eat Billy the Marlin raw probably. I think I would do the same for for a pop tart. <laughs> oh, now I'm just imagining like a pop tart with like a little wasabi on it and seeing how that mm. goes. I'm not going to tell you that I like never ate pop tarts because that's not true. But they're so sweet, Ben. You know, yeah. they're just so so sweet mm-hmm. um, that it wasn't like my go to. I was more of a, I've always been more of a savory breakfast person because it's mm-hmm. like it's so sweet. Oh boy. Last one from Michael. <laughs> is that because it took us an hour to talk about mascots? Is that why it's the last one? Maybe we should have ended with the mascot question. No, I don't know whether I think, to end on yeah. that, the most no, deranged question, or to answer the most deranged one and then go back to yeah, more or less normal, normal baseball yeah. business. <laughs> mm. Okay. Michael, Patreon supporter. This is a, a popular genre of questions. I have an idea to reward teams for leaving in their starting pitchers. Right? We mm. get a lot of suggestions. How do you incentivize yes. teams to leave in starters longer or penalize yeah. teams for, for pulling starters early? It's something I've been thinking about since watching the Cricket World Cup. The inspiration Mm. comes from the severe fielding restrictions implemented in the power play during the first 10 overs of 50 total of international cricket matches to incentivize scoring. What if teams that removed their starter before the seventh inning were penalized by losing a fielder until the seventh? 
This would force them to balance hmm. the third time through the order penalty against the cost of the reliever having to pitch with one fewer fielder. There would be all kinds of strategic considerations with which fielder to drop, which pitchers you'd want to use in this situation, etc. Other than standard traditionalist arguments and concerns about messing with stats, what's the downside here about just uh, pulling a fielder if a team wants to take a pitcher out earlier? My first thought is that this is perhaps too punitive. Yeah. Like it's too strong a reaction. You'd probably end up picking an outfielder, right? You'd probably pick an outfielder. Yeah, to, you'd take your left fielder or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, and try to shade guys sort of, mm-hmm. you know, up the alleys and then see what they can do out there just because of where balls get hit. But um, it feels a little too punitive. I mean, I guess you get a guy back. Does he just keep batting? You know, I guess you don't have to take him out of the lineup. You just don't let him field, right? You effectively yeah. have like kind of two DHs for a second. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how that works, whether you just skip them in the lineup or, yeah. or what. It does. It feels a little too strong, but I do think it would be, it would really inspire teams to think carefully about whether they need to pull a guy. Yeah. Because boy, you would feel, even if, you know, you were able to to do it such that, you know, you felt like you had optimized as much as possible, you'd feel naked out there, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I have a vague memory of a long ago episode where Sam and I tried to calculate what the impact of removing a fielder would be. And I think we concluded that like it would be big enough that it it would make up the difference between like a bad team and a good team or something. Like it it was. I think it's a pretty meaningful, it would be a meaningful action to impose on teams. Yeah, it would be a big big BABIP spike if you removed a fielder, even if you compensated for it and shaded and, you know, pull your worst fielder. Some teams might be hurt less than others, but yeah, yeah, it would be a big penalty to the point where, yeah, I think teams would be hesitant to do this. So it would work. (laughs) Like if the goal is to make teams leave their starters in longer, then I guess this would do it because this would really hurt them if they didn't. I mean, you know, going from your tired starter, your third time through the order starter to a fresh reliever is a boost, but it would probably be pretty nullified by taking away a fielder. So it would achieve its uh, stated goal. But I think, yeah, it's probably too drastic. And again, with all of these proposals, my response is always just like, I think the better idea is just to limit the number of, (laughs) I'm kind of a broken record on this subject, but I just feel like that's the obvious solution if you really want to do this in the least obtrusive way, the least unnatural way, just lower the limit on the number of active pitchers allowed on the active roster. And then you kind of elegantly. Yeah, yeah, you force the issue. Directly, yeah. And you you give some freedom to teams in what they want to do about it. But yeah, it doesn't change the fabric of the game quite as much as this would. Because that's one of my concerns is just that you'd really be playing under pretty dramatically different conditions for part of the game. The strategic implications would be kind of cool, and yeah, it would be that part would be fun. It maybe, would be but... a different look, and yeah, you know, you would 
boost offense, I guess. I mean, there'd be more base hits and base runners, and maybe those yeah. are things that people like. But yeah, I just, I don't love playing a large part of the game under certain conditions and then yes. changing the rules. That's I one agree. of the things I object to with the zombie runner. It's just such right. a different game and the scoring is way out of whack relative to the first yeah. nine innings. And people have actually suggested, and maybe we've discussed Instead of the zombie runner, which people always write in like, well, this would be a better way to break the tie. And my default is always like, but we could just, just have ties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just put it back. But also, if you were going to do something, then people have said, well, you could just remove one fielder each extra inning or something or beyond right. a certain extra inning. And then maybe you'd, you know, scoring would be higher and you'd get the game over with quicker, but it would be maybe less weird in a way like I, i'm not Maybe. a purist traditionalist about this like oh there's a certain number of lineup spots and there's a certain number of fielding positions and there's this uh symmetry to it there is but that wouldn't be my biggest objection i just you know it's a pretty drastic step to take and and that's something that other sports have that maybe baseball doesn't have so much, just like an equivalent of a power play, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you've talked about a baseball penalty box and how that would work, but, right. you know, maybe that's kind of a fun thing that other maybe. sports have that baseball doesn't have. It's just like, yeah. oh, conditions are different for X number of minutes. We yeah. can take advantage of the other team being shorthanded or, you know, pulling yeah. the goalie or whatever it is. Like, you, right. you can't, baseball isn't really elastic in that same sense right. as opposed to like when it comes to the number of players who were on the field at any given time, you know, the rules right. say like you, you have to have a certain number. So maybe, maybe it'd be a good thing. Maybe it would be yeah. entertaining. I don't know. But if my only goal here was uh, to leave starters in longer as opposed to just, you know, having this be a Savannah Bananas style experiment. Right. Then I think there are ways to do that without uh, tampering quite so drastically. I think that that's right. Although, you know, one of the things that I have learned from watching some amount of hockey, particularly in the playoffs, um, relative to baseball, is that it does invite an experience that is what I imagine doing cocaine is like. Yeah. And so maybe this would help to replicate that in mm -hmm. the baseball postseason. Who mm -hmm. could say? Yeah. Not me, because I don't actually know. <laughs> That will do it for today. Thanks, as always, for listening. You can support Effectively Wild on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash effectivelywild. The following five listeners have already signed up and pledged some monthly or yearly amount to help keep the podcast going, help us stay ad-free, and get themselves access to some perks. Patrick Ferguson, Matthew Gardner, Molly McCullough, Jeremy Ashton, and J. Wade Edwards. Thanks to all of you. Patreon perks include, well, for one thing, shoutouts at the end of episodes, but also access to the Effectively Wild Discord group for patrons only, access to monthly bonus episodes and playoff live streams, prioritized email answers, discounts on merch and ad-free fancrafts memberships, and so much more. Check out all the offerings at patreon.com slash effectivelywild. And if you are a patron, you can message us through the Patreon site. If not, you can contact us via email, send your questions and comments to podcast at fancrafts.com. You can rate, review, and subscribe to Effectively Wild on iTunes and Spotify and other podcast platforms. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash Effectively Wild. You can follow Effectively Wild on Twitter at EWPod, and you can find the Effectively Wild subreddit at r slash Effectively Wild. Thanks to Shane McKeon for his editing and production assistance. We will be back with one more episode before the end of the week. Talk to you soon. Thank you.
How can you not be pedantic? A stat blast will keep you distracted. It's a long slog to death, but the sure to make you smile. This is effectively why. This is effectively why. This is effectively why.